How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for the episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penling, coming to you on Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. I'm joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, 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 say what's up to the people, man. What's going on? Hopefully everyone had a better gambling weekend than I did. Ben, Ben took it on the chin, guys. If it makes you feel any better, Ben, my two college picks on the podcast went over two. I did fight back, though, pretty hard in NFL this week. So, you know, hey, Ben, it happens, man. I think I went like – It happens. I think I went one and five the weekend before in college football. So, you know, it definitely happens, bro. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, though, guys, we will recap all those picks on Thursday's podcast. We'll also have the picks pod then. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the two probably biggest games in each in the NFL and college football. Um, after that, we're going to do, obviously, observations, and then we're going to talk about the undefeated teams left in college football. Ben, let's start it off, man. We got to talk about your Alabama Crimson Tide. Look, they yep. went down, lost the game. What do you think went wrong for Alabama? So we talked about it before the Texas game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um if it wasn't the Texas game, we definitely mentioned it um, prior to the what was the the Arkansas game. I think mm-hmm. it was the Texas game that Bam over the last couple of years has struggled in road games. It used to be we used to live in a world, and it wasn't that long ago, but we used to live in a world where to beat Alabama, you had to play your A plus game and literally beat Alabama. It didn't matter whether you got a lucky play. It didn't matter. You, you had to literally beat them. I know that sounds obvious, but we now live in a world where Alabama is going to beat themselves on the, when they play on the road, and then you just have to play a good game. You still have to play really well to beat Alabama, but it was 16 penalties or 15 penalties after the Texas game that was the most in program history. They decided that wasn't enough. It went for 17 penalties um on the road this past week at tennessee and it was their demise i want to ask you real quick about penalties was that pass interference on the on the play that changed the game i don't know it's tough because i feel like the corner did the right thing by turning his body that's if you basically if you don't turn in nfl or in college they basically call a uh, pass interference automatically if your back's to the ball. Mm-hmm. He was turning his body, so, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little biased, but I didn't see it. Um, you know, a couple unfortunate calls, but I, I've said this before. I've said this to you off air, but, like, don't let – don't let – don't put the game in the ref's hands. Don't Not even wrong. come close to holding. Just turn. So, listen, Bama's played really bad on the road, uh, and they could have three losses, if we're being honest. Like – Texas' starting quarterback went down. There's not a lot of uh, programs, if any, in the country that can put in their backup quarterback and uh, come back and beat Alabama mm-hmm. uh, or just beat Alabama. Their, uh, the A&M game came down to the literal two-yard line, and then they lost the game at Tennessee. Listen, credit to Tennessee. they Their offense is unbelievable. Um, and they did that without their best receiver. Cedric Tillman didn't play in that game. I thought he was going to, but he didn't. They neutralized Bama's pass rush, and they threw all over them. Yeah, I mean, both teams kind of threw all over each other. Look, I'm going to yeah, bid on this one. Also, Ben, I respect the fact that you're not going to blame the game on the referees. Look, I thought that was an absolutely awful call. I think it. I agree with you. You don't put the game in the referees' hands. At the end of the day, though, man, 
I think you got to let the kids play. I probably wouldn't have called that penalty personally. Also, too, it late too. It's a late uh, flag. No, absolutely. But I mean, Ben, I think you make a good point. This is the most like undisciplined Alabama team that you really that we've seen in a while. Like that punt play. I don't think I've ever seen Nick Saban get that mad as he was on the punt play, but that was just idiotic. And honestly, shout out to Tennessee, whoever that guy was that pushed him in the back, because that was such a smart play to push him in the back. Once the ball hits the ground, you can do whatever you want to to the return man. You know what I mean? Nothing else matters at that point. They but lead the, the country. They lead the country in penalty or, or penalties. Yeah, and and Alabama just has turned has turned the ball over a lot, which is very uncharacteristic. I mean, a lot of those though were on a uh, Milrow in yes. the uh, in the Texas A&M game. But look, on top of that, I thought one egregiously bad call that resulted in Alabama having to kick a field goal was the play when the number 21 for Tennessee clearly targeted Bryce Young and the referees <laughs> didn't call. I mean, they reviewed it and didn't call targeting. It's I bad. thought that was the most clear textbook targeting I've ever seen in my entire life, and they didn't call it. Like, I had already, like, assumed it was targeting and, like, had kind of moved like i think i texted you i was like damn that's a huge targeting like good thing like that was a big break for y'all and then the referees were like oh uh no targeting on the play i was like what the hell is going on right now i mean you texted me like at least 21's knocked out of the game or something i was like he's not (laughs) yeah and he had a huge play later on in the game that was like i think it was on the drive where y'all missed the field goal he made a huge he had the bryce young sack he had the bryce young sack later on the game yeah yeah exactly so i mean i thought that was egregious but look Got to give your give a little shout out to Tennessee, man. They did put yeah. their asses off in the game. They did throw the ball around the yard well. It makes this Tennessee Georgia game even bigger. But look, Ben. Good news is Alabama's not done. I guess we'll t- all t- even though they're not an undefeated team. I do want to talk about them in the last segment. As you know, undefeated teams in the Final Four kind of lead us all back to Alabama. Kind of like the Thanos meme, where this all leads you back to yeah. me. <laughs> but um, also thought though, Ben, that. Nick Saban, I felt like him settling for that field goal down around the goal line. I thought that that was ended up being kind of stupid as well. I mean, in a game like this where you needed points, I mean, don't get me wrong, hindsight's twenty twenty. I just felt like Saban, you know, probably bucked the analytics there. The analytics probably told him to go for it. He chose to take the points there. I really feel like that probably hurt Alabama a little bit as well. Well, the bigger, the bigger one was the last possession. You had a first down, so you're starting with first and 10, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden in a blink of an eye, it's fourth and 10. They didn't run the ball once. They also... Okay, I get it. You want them to run the ball, but Tennessee still a timeout. Mm-hmm. How about Jameer Gibbs just catch the football? Yeah, Jameer Gibbs probably scores a touchdown on that play, and no, if he doesn't, it's right. a first down. It's a nine yard catch. I would imagine he could fall forward for one yard. It's pretty much over at that point. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee eventually has to start calling their timeouts after that. But he didn't catch the ball. Alabama's problem, and it remains to be seen if anybody can step up. They're still missing. They're really missing one starter, but I don't even know if this kid exists. Does Tyler Harrell exist? He's like this big transfer from Louisville, hasn't played. I don't know if he's a real person. <laughs> their biggest problem their biggest problem is uh, they don't have an alpha receiver. They don't have a receiver that you can just say, get open for me on this third down. So it takes Bryce Young longer and, you know, mm-hmm. hasn't been as successful. They don't have a Mechie. They don't have a... Uh, JMO, they don't have. I mean, these guys don't grow on trees, don't get me wrong, but Alabama has always got an alpha receiver, they do not have one. No, I am with you on that. I think, Ben, my biggest takeaway from this game ultimately is that still Bryce Young, in my opinion, is, will be the number one pick when the, the commissioner comes, comes up off the stand in 2023 and announces it. Uh, there's no way he's not. Also, on top of that, Ben, my other big takeaway is for Alabama at the end of the day, they still control their own destiny, man. I mean, the good news for them is this is not 
um, an SEC West lost loss. So they're still going to have a chance to go to the go to the uh, SEC championship game. And you know, if they win that game, one loss Alabama as an SEC champion is a lock to get in the college football playoffs. So they still control their own destiny, which is a good thing. Ben, um, let's talk here though about NFL real quick. Let's talk about the Kansas City versus the Bills game, guys. This was one hell of a game. Um, the Bills, you know, Mah- or uh, Josh Allen, you know, he kind of saw some flashes of what happened to them last year. And in the second half, he put the team on his back, had a nasty hurdle, and just really refused to lose on that game-winning drive. Finds Dawson Knox in the end zone. Mahomes, you know, you think they left too much time on the clock, kind of what happened last year. Mahomes tries to fit one in a tight window and a pass that he completes nine times out of ten. It was a hell of a play to make that interception by Elam. Gets picked off. Chiefs go down, you know, Mahomes kind of had that, uh, you know, like that moment where you see Jordan walk off the court after losing to the Pistons and he looks pissed off that I feel like that's kind of was the way Mahomes was with this game. What did you think about the game, Ben? The Bills defense is special. They were, they're even missing some guys. Um, this is huge for them because I believe they have never, they have not hosted the Chiefs in a uh, playoff game yet. I think they've only played in Kansas city. Now, obviously yep. they, they still have to keep this thing going, but home game in Buffalo is going to be the hardest place to win a game if you're the road team. It's what first of all, it's freezing cold. Second of all, they might have the best fans in football. And third of all, you actually have to play the the team. You, I've made this joke to you before. Let me just go back to Alabama real quick. The hardest thing about playing in Brian Denny Stadium is not the crowd noise. It's not that it's the team you have to line up against. It's the same thing in Buffalo. So listen, Von Miller continues to add to his stellar Hall of Fame career. Every team that he uh, went to after, I'm blanking, who did he start with? Denver. Denver. And then when Denver finally started good and he was like in the prime of his career, Denver, Denver's competing and winning Super Bowls. And then he goes, last year he was on um, the Rams. <clears throat> the Rams. Instantly makes an already good defensive line the best in football. Leaves and they win a Super Bowl. Leaves the Rams to go to the Bills, an already great good defense. Now they're an elite defense. He's coming up big for them. To Josh Allen is I, the one question remains to be seen: is can they run the football effectively enough? Singletary was pretty good in this past game, um, but I don't know if it matters as much as old years because they legit have a one-two punch. It's not just Stefan Diggs and other guys trying to fill in. Like Gabe Davis is an absolute stud in the NFL. And then you can just ask like Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox to fill in the average roles. Mm-hmm. And both of them are very capable. This Bills team is unbelievable. I'm with you on this one, Ben. I think the defense is absolutely just unfair at this point. I mean, they have so many injuries on defense, and the fact they were able to play that kind of game they did against Kansas City just speaks volumes to how good they are. And look, offenses like like uh, the Chargers in Kansas City aren't really going to work on them because, I mean, this is what that this team sees in practice every single day because it's the same kind of offense that they run. And honestly, I think the run game is more like a regular season thing, you know what I mean? Because you're probably going to want Josh Allen to carry the ball that much. But in the playoffs, Josh Allen's going to carry that football, man. He's going to ground and pound on these teams and you saw in that game when he wanted to win he was the one carrying the football he's the one who got the big first down then he pulls it down and runs again hurdles a dude before going out of bounds josh allen is a force to be reckoned with this guy's literally a fullback playing qb and he's gonna pull it down and run it whenever he wants to 
ultimately i thought this game was just like a heavyweight fight you know what i mean i thought it was better though that it wasn't like a 70 point shootout the fact that it was the way it was you know each team got their punches in and then ultimately buffalo threw the knockout punch at the end and won the game but clearly i think buffalo's pass rush is the difference in this game also too i don't know how they didn't call chris jones for tripping that was so obvious yeah. when he tripped uh mahones on that play but hell of a game man hell of a weekend of watching some football um, it's gonna be fun to see how everything plays in the NFL, but I mean, if the Super Bowl is, I mean, if the AFC is gonna run through Buffalo, it's gonna Good be luck. tough to get out of there. I will say this though, Andy Reid having a second chance though to go up against his team is gonna have something to say. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's over with; it's a guaranteed thing. But it ain't gonna be easy to beat the Bills, guys. Um, ben, let's get into some observations from the weekend that you had. Let's do it. Um, it- the first thing I want to say, Ben, just real quick here. I don't know necessarily if we have to give Spencer Sanders an apology or yet. I texted Ben that we owed him an apology early in the game when he was dicing up TCU, but he actually has a shoulder injury. So, eh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a half-hearted apology here, Spencer Sanders. You and uh, you've definitely played better this year. I mean, the fact that you're able to take that game to overtime with the injury you have definitely has played better. First one is a painful one for the two of us. Um, the Baylor game. What do you remember from it? Um, that, against West Virginia in West Virginia. I mean, where do I start? The Baylor sucks. I mean, they're. I will say this though: their defensive tackle was out. I can't. I can't pronounce his name, but he is supposed to be one of the best in all of college football. Big Samoan dude. And then so West Virginia just absolutely pieced them up on the ground after he went out of the game. Also, too, yeah. Baylor's quarterback get, um got knocked out of the game. Blake Shapen. He had three hundred fifty plus yards in the first half, and that backup quarterback was just an idiot. Baylor's defense, who I thought was good, gave up 500 total yards to this West Virginia offense. Baylor had 590 total yards, but still, like, giving up 500 yards to this West Virginia offense is garbage. Um, painful game to watch. You you and I both were on that early on in the week. Um, the, the line was right in the Oklahoma game. It was the biggest trap of all time. I did not go into that trap door. Same. Um and Jason, or is it Jason Bean or whatever Bean's yeah, first Jason name? Jason Bean. Jason Bean is just he's not he's not Daniels. Like he can't do it for Kansas. No. Uh, it's a complete stay away game for me this coming week. Baylor plays Kansas. <laughs> Grave Baylor's in the graveyard, I think. Actually, if Shapin and uh, if Shapin and the D tackle are out, I'm actually gonna probably gonna take Kansas. Man, they should be able to get whatever they want to on Baylor. I mean, that's pathetic. But Michigan. Michigan might be able to run the ball on whoever they want. And it's the same thing as last year. And I know that they didn't run on Georgia. You don't take one game and say that team sucks. Like their offensive line is mauling defender, uh, defensive lines and linebackers right now. Blake Corum is a stud. And who is it? Donovan Edwards or it's yep. something that Donovan Edwards is a great complimentary back Michigan. They line up, you know, they're running it and they still are just running all over teams. They just faced Penn State, who, excuse me, was the um, top, I think, number five defense in college football Mm -hmm. going into that game. And I feel like Michigan made them look like it was absolutely nothing. Just for, for, um, I'm pulling it up, the box score now. Michigan had... 418 rushing yards on that Penn State defense. Good grief. 418. Not to mention, James Franklin at Penn State is now 0-10. First top 10 opponents since 2016. 
Wow. It just feels like we've seen him max out at Penn State. You know what I mean? Wait, so he's 0-10 against top 10 opponents, or it's only when he's on the road? No, I think uh, maybe on the road. It might be on the road. I'm trying to think. He might have been. Thought- it might have been 2016 the last time he beat Ohio State. Actually, it was. I believe so. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. So you said you said since 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is correct. Actually, it's it. It just feels like he's maxed out at this point. How much better is he possibly going to get Penn State? He's not really competing for Big Ten championships. His record. Uh, escaping me at the top of my head, his record against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan are very bad. Well, let me ask you this, Ben. Does James Franklin care at this point? Penn State's busted out the the pocketbook for him. I mean, at the end of the day, man, if you're Penn State, look. He still cares, but, like, would he care if he got fired collecting all that money? No, but he, he definitely lines up and wants to win. He's just – he's not even close to, like, Michigan and Ohio State's level, apparently. No, that's what I was about to say, man. I mean, I think it is kind of like I said about Michigan last year, and they ended up proving me wrong. At some point, these programs have to accept who they are. Penn State's got to accept, man, that they are a 10-win nine team. Win, nine, nine, yeah. Ten, yeah, that they're a 9-10-win team. I mean, it's just like Florida State. I've accepted that we are a 9-10-win team. We are not a national championship. You know what I mean? you got to accept who you are. I think that's what comes. I mean, James Franklin's doing a hell of a job. 9-10 wins is a great season in college football. It is, but – You'd like to see some Big Ten championship appearances in there. No, absolutely. I think Michigan answered all our questions, though. That was an impressive performance for sure. Yeah. He's like he's done less at Penn State than Mark Rick did at Georgia, I feel like. And looking back on it, Mark Rick didn't do a whole lot at Georgia. He won 10 games a year, but he won the SEC a couple of times, but didn't yeah. win the, didn't come close to it or didn't win national championship. Did he Penn even State. win a BCS Bowl? I'm pretty sure he lost to Hawaii. He lost to – who else did they pull – I don't think he ever won a BCS Bowl. I feel like he, no, I think he did. He had to have. Did he lose to Boise State? I think he lost to Hawaii, Boise State, and West Virginia. I'm pretty sure. Two of those. I remember Hawaii and West Virginia. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to look back on that. Um, Yeah, next one. uh, We already talked about Bama losing to Tennessee. Clemson, their three biggest games of the year were Wake Forest, NC State, and Florida State. Zero turnovers for Clemson's quarterback. That's an impressive stat. Um, even though, like, I would say two out of those three, Florida State was injuries, Wake Forest's defense isn't great, but it was at Wake Forest, and NC State's defense is good. A little banged up, but still good. Clemson, like, th- who challenges them for the rest of the ACC? Nobody, right? No, I mean, I Who's I, gonna talk, win the I other... talked that Miami game up to be the ACC game of the year. That Clemson is going to beat the brakes off them. Who's the – is that who's on the other side, who's winning the other side right now? Um, no, North, I know North, North Carolina, Carolina is in first place on the other side. Can North Carolina put up any kind of challenge? No, Clemson? North Carolina yeah, Their has defense, no defense is so bad. Yeah, their yeah. defense is so bad. So, Clemson I don't even just got to ride this ship. North Carolina doesn't play Clemson. Clemson plays uh, Georgia Tech automatically in their crossover game, and then they play Miami. Yeah, but as of now, they'll play them in the ACC yeah, yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, Clemson looks much better. They, they're starting to look like Clemson. Will Shipley is still a monster. Their defense is, win, is, is riding the games, and their quarterback, as long as he is not turning the ball over, he has looked better. I'm 100% with you on that one, Ben. Uh, um, actually – Actually, one thing real quick. 
I'll give DJ Ugalele an apology. We owe you one, DJ. I said you're a scrub, you're a bum, and you would get replaced by uh, Kate Klubnik. I mean, who even is Kate Klubnik at this point? <laughs> um, let's go to the NFL. The Packers. The Packers stink. I don't know if it's – That's a nice way to put it. It's, it's lack of – I don't want to make this sound like an excuse for Aaron Rodgers, but it's lack of weapons. It's very clear that all these young guys – are not like they don't have they don't have an alpha receiver either. I mean, uh, Alan Lazar was probably like wide receiver three for them last year if you if you count in Valtlas Scantling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they don't have an alpha. Aaron Rodgers is very hard to play with. He's very hard to get on the same page with, and they're not on the same page. Their offense is terrible. I don't know why they don't try to run the ball fifty times a game. They have two great running backs, and Aaron Rodgers actually said today on the Pat McAfee show, he's like, we need to find a way to get. Aaron Jones the ball more because positive things happen. So if you have Aaron Jones in your fantasy team, that's a good sign. Absolutely. Um, look, I think their wide receivers are a problem. They did say today they're trying to trade for one, and Randall Cobb's going to miss the defense time. isn't as good as I thought it was going to be either. Yeah, the defense is not what we thought they would be. But on top of that, I feel like Aaron Rodgers like just has a bad attitude. He's a front runner. Probably does. You know, when the team was doing well. He's all like, you know, Zen Master Aaron Rodgers and shit. The team's doing bad. And now he's just all like him and the coach of beef. Yeah, it's just like whatever Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know. I just feel like that this Brady's team, the same way though. Brady's throwing sure. tablets, yelling at all of his offensive linemen, skipping practices. I mean, you know, you just yeah. gotta shut up and listen to those type of guys. Yeah, it feels like there's too much drama going on, and these young guys don't even know what to do. It just feels like there's bad culture going on in Green Bay. I mean Wow, I hate I I honestly I bet on the Jets. I didn't think. Did they you would take the Vikings right. to win the division? No, I actually said that I said I would take the Packers just because the Vikings always do Viking like things. Yeah, but I said I thought the Lions were the were the sleeper team. Unfortunately, they have no defense though. Quarterback controversy in New England? Yes or no? I say no. Um, I think Bailey Zappi's a good game manager, but at the end of the day, I think Mac Jones is a stronger arm than him. I think he's more athletic. I think Zappi's a good player, honestly, but I still think Mac Jones is a better version of Zappi, and I think ultimately he will get the starting job back whenever he's healthy. So we've seen this as of recently as in Dallas. There are some backup quarterbacks in specific systems that can be successful in the short term until you find out who they actually are. Cooper Rush against the Eagles – Looked like he had never faced a pass rush before. And the Eagles were all over him. He was panicking, throwing the football, um, just really forcing the ball. I think he had, what, three interceptions? Two interceptions? Yeah, the three. But, yeah. I think Bailey Zappi is fine for the short term, but I believe Mac Jones actually has a chance to play this coming week. And I think if he's clear to play, it's, it's pretty clear who's QB1 in New England. But Mac does have to start playing well. He wasn't playing well. Uh, pre-injury, but neither was the offense. The offense is a little bit of a rhythm now, playing some poor defenses for New England. Max got to keep that shift going. I think he can. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that's a good comparison as well, Ben. Like, you saw the Eagles saw pretty quick in that game that that uh, Cooper Rush couldn't throw it outside the numbers, and once that they started to force him to throw outside the numbers, that was when all those interceptions happened and stuff. And, I mean, the one drive where they really looked good was the drive when they were just pushing tempo. So, I he, think that... I mean, he didn't do anything in the win against the Rams either, Cooper Rush. Nothing. It was all the defense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's two more. Uh, the G-Men. The G-Men for real. I mean, yeah, we can. you can sit here and say that the team's a fraudulent. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. 
you look at the Giants on paper, this team's not good, or but on paper, but this team has a stout defense and they can run the football. Brian Dayball oh knows how to scheme and play to his team's advantages. At the end of the day, you can say what you want to, but this team knows how to win some football games. And as bad as the NFC is, I think this team's basically a lock at this point to make the playoffs. Um, I think that Dayball's, I mean, he's looking like the coach of the year. I'm not going to go ahead and give him the award yet. But, I mean, what Dayball has done and turned this team around, he's taken all the talent and actually utilized it well. I mean, all their wide receivers have been out. So this offense actually has room to grow and get better when they get these guys back. It shows how much coaching matters in the NFL. It's, oh, yeah. Brian Dayball is clearly a good coach. He clearly knows what he's doing. And the question is, them winning games, how they're winning it, we know their formula of winning it, running the ball at defense and try to limit the Daniel Jones um, turnovers. They're winning games and he's their starting quarterback. Is this better for Giants fans or worse for Giants fans? Now, listen, I don't want – let me phrase that differently. You always want to win. I will never root for my team to tank in any sport. I cannot get behind purposely losing. My point is a lot of Giants fans before this season – hated Daniel Jones. They wanted him out. Now they're winning. I don't think Giants fans love him, but he's certainly getting the job done. Um, I think ultimately what will happen to Daniel Jones is the Giants will explore what options they have in the offseason. And at the end of the day, they can always franchise tag him. So I think we're, I think they'll explore to see what options are out there. And if there's no better options, then Jones will get franchise tagged and he'll be right back in there playing QB again. And I mean, rightfully so. No matter what happens, Daniel Jones still hasn't proven it. I mean, he still has time, though, to prove it more and more as the season goes on. What do you think? He's a hell of a runner, I'll tell you that. So if he can find a way to just limit turnovers, he is certainly good enough to make NFL passes. He throws into some tight windows, but you have to have a running game to do that. They have one. Saquon looks great. There's not, there's not many... Exci- like more exciting players in the NFL to watch when they're on their A game than Saquon Barkley. Or maybe it's just all running backs who are great at receiving as well, but there's literally nothing Saquon can't do, and he does it all at 100 miles per hour. No, absolutely. And uh, I just love what Dayball said. He said he came in, the first two people he wanted to connect with were Jones and Barkley. And, you know, he even said, like, he was like, I challenged Barkley to that a lot of people were saying a lot of things about him. And I knew he was that guy, but I wanted him to go out there and show everybody he's that guy. And I just think that shows you how smart of a guy Dayball is. He knew who he needed to connect with, and he knew who he needed to to fire up and how to do it. Speaking of coaching matters, how about them Falcons? Arthur Smith has the boys competing at a much higher level than they did last year. They have the boys believing more than they did last year. The offensive line plays with a little bit of nasty attitude, a lot more than they did last year. I can't even name who our, who our starting running back is at this point. It hasn't mattered. The Falcons are running on everyone the last two weeks, at least. The Falcons throw the ball the least amount in the NFL this season, and they're three and three. The Bears, aren't they also three? Are they two and four? Or are they three and three? Um, the Bears are two and four. Okay. So the the Bears are second uh least throwing. And listen, we got Mariota because he's a nice bridge quarterback and he can run so he can keep drives alive. He certainly has been doing that this year. I like what I'm seeing from the Falcons. Same here, Ben. I mean, Mariota has been pulling it down. There's a bunch of third and longs where he just pulled it down and ran for it. Look. As long as I he keeps to, the fumbles down, because he has fumbled a couple times. I hate to be Mr. Negative here. Whenever he actually gets hurt, I think the production is going to drop off a lot. But, hey, until it happens, man, I'm cool. 
Um, I love what I see out of the Falcons, though, man. This team has been competitive, and this is exactly what I want to see about them. If we had this coaching when we had those loaded-up Matt Ryan teams, we probably would have won three freaking Super Bowls, but we had two-cent coaching. I mean, if y'all, if y'all remember back the Super Bowl years, our offense was awesome because we had Kyle Shanahan. The defense was terrible. We just outscored everybody. So if we had this defensive – I mean, Dean, think about this, too. We're doing this with $80 million of dead cap. That is insane to think about. Falcons next year might be – we might be that team. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I just like to see them competing. That's all I can ask for. Same. And, is- and they were first place in the division after six weeks. I mean, nobody saw that coming. Absolutely. I mean, after the after the last three seasons, just to be competitive is all I want to see and be fun to watch. So I love what's going on with this team, and I love Arthur Smith. I mean, we're almost into November, and the season is still very much alive. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, and he's really changed the culture, too. Like, I think Arthur Smith, you know, kind of came in and changed that loser mentality after we lost the Super Bowl. And on top of that, I think, too, that he just, like, he builds culture the right way. You know, like, he told the offensive linemen, he was like, y'all go out there, you you get a, we get 100 on the ground against this 49ers defense, and we win the game, and we can go have some beers after the game's over. And the, the week before, he was mic'd up, and um, he went over to the offensive line, like, High five them all, like, you know, like good shit, like keep it going. He goes, We're going to run it down their effing throats. And they did. Like, uh, wh- who was it? The, who played two weeks ago? Um, it wasn't Tampa. It was, uh, Seahawks. Um, no, Seahawks is our first. Yeah, Tampa. Or I'm talking about the Cleveland game two weeks ago. Yes, yes, that's he, the one. Yeah, he went over and he said, We're going to run the football. That's all we're going to do. We're going to run it down their throats. And they did. And it found success. So when the guys come back to the sidelines, it's like we did exactly what we planned to do. And it worked. And that's the greatest feeling in the world when a plan is executed to perfection. I love that. Arthur Smith's the man. That's my guy. Um, ben, you ready? To, or is that, that's all we have for NFL, right? Yep. All right. Let's do this thing, guys. So we have quite a bit of undefeated teams actually left in college football. Um, let's let's go here to the list, guys. We're going to start things out with the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. Bim, do you think Georgia goes undefeated? Um, yeah, I do. I, I think getting the game in uh, against Tennessee in Knoxville is – You mean in Athens? I mean, sorry, in Athens. I literally just had it home. Um, yeah, I think that's big. Um, Florida is so bad that I don't even think that that game in Jacksonville is a neutral, mm-hmm. neutral, uh, as a neutral side is even a game. They go to at Mississippi state, um, after Tennessee, I think Mississippi state's going to be pretty battered down by that point. Um, assuming my team takes care of business. Um, and then they play at Kentucky. I think that can be a challenge. Maybe Mark Stoops is typically a good coach. His team doesn't hurt themselves. They're very good at home. As an underdog, um, he will be a home dog in that game. Um, it's just kind of like, what is Will Levis going to look like? Is you know, I don't think he's the type of kid that's going to check out necessarily. But at that point, can, what is he really playing for? Um, I, I just don't think they have enough talent to compete with Georgia. So yeah, I do. And then Tech, I you know, they don't they don't even have a prayer. Yeah, I'm actually uh, predicting Georgia Tech. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, honestly, Ben, I think the Tennessee game is going to be interesting to see how they square up against his offense. I think Georgia – all right, let's talk about the scenario here. 
Look, I think if Georgia loses the SEC championship game to Alabama, which I personally think Alabama is going to beat them in the SEC championship game, I think they get left out of the playoff and a one-loss Tennessee slips in there. It would depend on what everyone else looks like. Okay. Because in in your scenario, Michigan can only have one loss. mm -hmm. The Big 12 would have to be like TCU would have to not be undefeated. Um. Who else is who else is up there right now? Okay, so this is our undefeated teams we have left. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Ole Miss, TCU, UCLA. I'm gonna go ahead and say this guy's Ole Miss in my so opinion, what if Tennessee would, has one loss? That's what that's what I'm saying. So all right, so let's say Georgia beats. I, I would imagine you think Ole Miss finishes with more than two or yeah, one. I, th- I think Ole Miss is going to lose two games. I think they're going to lose to Alabama, and they still have to play the meat of their schedule. They haven't played the Egg Bowl the yet. The Egg Bowl is going to be unbelievable yeah, this look, year. Where's the Egg Bowl at? Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. So we have the Egg Bowl is going to be in, in Ole Miss. Yeah, in Oxford. That bodes well for them. But still, though, they're going to play at Arkansas, at Texas A&M, at LSU, and against Alabama. I think at least Oof. Alabama beats them. I mean, potentially, though, if Ole Miss – I don't, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if Ole Miss wins this weekend. That's what I'm saying. Spread one and a half. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So let's say that. Let's say for we have one loss, Ole Miss, one loss, Tennessee, one loss, Alabama. So, so this would be the scenario: Alabama's SEC champion, Georgia l- loses the SEC championship game, Tennessee has one loss, Ole Miss loses to Alabama only. So you have those four teams with one loss. You're going to have Michigan, who only loses to Ohio State. Ohio State goes undefeated. I mean, TCU still has a lot of tough games to play. They still got to play Texas. They still have to play Kansas State this week. I think TCU's Clemson's in if they're undefeated. Let's put this way: TCU's going to have to beat either Texas or Oklahoma State or Kansas State twice. I don't see that happening. I think TCU loses two games. I think the Big 12 is too top heavy and beats up on each other. I personally think UCLA loses at least one game in the Pac-12, considering the fact they're going to have to beat somebody twice, and they're six and a half point underdogs this week to Oregon, who's already lost. I don't Oregon think could one, be a one loss team. I don't think a one loss Oregon gets in there though after they got absolutely embarrassed and mollywopped by Georgia here. I think the only teams that are going to remain undefeated is going to be honestly. I think the only team that remains undefeated realistically here is going to be Ohio State. I think they're going to Clemson? be the only team. Yeah, Ohio State and Clemson. So let's go ahead and pencil those two in. If Clemson, all right, so let's say Clemson loses one game and you only have an undefeated Ohio State. I think regardless if Ohio State and Michigan both lose a game, the Big Ten for sure gets a team in. Then after that, I mean, could we get three SEC teams in here? I mean, you could. This is like the perfect argument to have a 12-12 team. Um, <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, I mean, it, it's going to play itself out. There's, there's no reason to, like, hurt my brain over – thinking about all these what if scenarios already <laughs> um it'll play itself out it, it usually does the sports yeah people yeah, were but- like oh what are the braves gonna do with ozzy and grissom and then arcia i was like it, it plays itself out unfortunately that meant ozzy getting hurt two days later yeah that's such a shitty way for things to play out but i agree with you though ben like why sit here i'm not sure our- i'm not i'm not sure i'm that confident in bama going undefeated for the rest of the year I mean, well, who, what's what's uh, remaining on the schedule for Alabama? Alabama they, still has to go. They play Mississippi State at home. Okay. They have a bye week. They go at LSU, which is their Super Bowl this year. They go at Ole Miss. They could be undefeated then, or it's just another chance for them to win at Oxford. Austin P. and then Auburn. So it's really Mississippi State at LSU at Ole Miss. Yeah, you're right. They still got Although, Austin P. on the schedule. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Auburn gave him trouble last year with TJ I mean, Finley. Playing at 
at LSU. Auburn at home, they should be all right. But, I mean, two SEC road games, two huge SEC road games. And you know it's LSU Super Bowl. They're mm-hmm. not playing for a Western title as of right now. Yeah, man. I mean, LSU is ranked right now. I be- or, No, they're not ranked anymore. But, I mean – yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how everything pl- everything will work itself out. I feel like I've, I always put it this way. If I had to put money on teams not being undefeated anymore, I'm putting money right now on TCU not being undefeated anymore. Syracuse. I'm putting money on, on Syracuse. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Syracuse. That's how relevant <laughs> they are. They're not beating Clemson this week, let's be honest. I like Sean Tucker, the running back. I do like Sean Tucker. I do like what Dino's doing with the squad, but they're not going to yeah. be undefeated anymore. I'm definitely putting money on UCLA not being undefeated anymore. They're not going to beat a team twice in the Pac-12. And and Ole Miss. I'm saying Ole Miss won't be undefeated anymore as well. I agree with all this. So then after that, I mean. I mean, Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, Athens is tough. I think the SEC is going to get two teams in here, and then we're going to have Clemson and Ohio State with two SEC teams. I think that's the way it's going to play out, honestly. And I think think at the end of the day, if Georgia loses in the SEC championship – I think they're going to end up being the odd man out because they're going to look at Tennessee and say that their win over Alabama is better than Georgia's win over Tennessee. Best win in the country. Mm-hmm. That's usually the way it happens. Like, look what happened to Auburn. Auburn went to the It SEC. does depend on if Tennessee got blown out in Athens. It- All right, guys, we've had a quick technical difficulty. Ben, get back at it. I was saying if Tennessee got blown out in Athens, it's hard to make the argument that Tennessee should go in over a one-loss Georgia just because they have a better win when Georgia beat them head-to-head. So that would work against Tennessee. But Tennessee yeah. has the most ranked wins in the country. They have four ranked wins right now. Yeah, they do. And, uh, and also- I'm a believer – I think you're on the same page. I'm a believer that it's when you play the team. It's not mm-hmm. what that team does after. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can only beat who's in front of you. When you play Pitt in week two, just because they have four losses by week six or whatever they have, doesn't mean it wasn't a good win. I agree with you on that, Ben, but also, too, I wouldn't even count Pitt out of having a chance to win the uh, Coastal in the ACC, you know? Like, I mean... That's they, a wild, irrelevant conference. Yeah, I mean, they lost to ten- I mean, they lost to Tennessee, and they have one ACC loss to Georgia Tech. The only hard game they really have left is at North Carolina. They get Syracuse at home, and their Pitt is really good against the run. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Pitt can only make themselves look better, but you're right. I mean, they played Pitt when they were ranked. They played them with Slovis and everything. So they played the best version of Pitt that Pitt's had all season long. I think at the end of the day, though, if we have a bunch of one-loss SEC teams, I think Ole Miss is automatically going to be behind the eight ball because at the end of the day, Ole Miss's best win is going to be what? Mississippi State and Kentucky. And on top of that, they played Georgia Tech out of conference. And then two trash schools. Georgia at least played Oregon. Tennessee played I mean, at Pittsburgh. I mean, they played a road game on top of that. I mean, I guess Georgia Tech was on the road, but it's Georgia Tech. Like, I mean, come on now. I think that I think that's going to just – they do go to strength of schedule usually in tiebreakers, so I think that's going to end up hurting them. I think that will end up being the way the Final Four plays out. It'll be interesting. Long way to go still. Yeah, guys, it's going to be fun to see the way everything plays out, guys. We got these conferences starting to take shape even more and more as every single week goes on. Um, it should be a pretty solid slate of college football as well that me and Ben are looking forward to breaking down on Thursday's podcast. Ben, anything else you think we should talk about before we get out of here? Nah. Anyway, guys, as always, we appreciate everyone who tuned in and listened to us, and we'll talk to you all again soon.